0: So, my name is Romina. Oh, okay, sorry. My name is Romina, and I'm the discussion leader. And we are doing the book How Dare the Sunrise. Okay, so to start off, I will read our summary. So, in Chapter One, Sandra, uh, Deborah, and her mother Rachel are all sitting in a mattress in their tent, and suddenly Rachel, her mother, uh, wakes them up to find a. Uh, to find attacks from soldiers outside the tent. Someone uh, opens the tent from behind and uh, Sandra witnesses her aunt uh, get gunned down and shot in both of her arms. Um, Sandra, Deborah, Rachel and her aunt all end up together underneath the mattress for almost half an hour. Rachel obeys a soldier telling them that they are here to help and everyone gets gunned down and shot. Sandra stays in a tent. Under the mattress, she ends up blocking out, feeling heat on her leg. She wakes up and the tent is in flames. She manages to escape the tent while she runs, and a man grabs her and pulls her by the shirt and points a gun to her
1: head.
0: Sandra stays under the tent and she's in flames, and then she has a Gun pointed her her head. In chapter two, Sandra described her life before and explained how her parents had an arranged marriage. She described her relationship with her siblings and her favorite memories in chapter three. Sandra described her home with her parents, siblings, aunts, uncles, and grandparents, and even visitors. In chapter four, she described her school life and how she adored it. Sandra went to a private school, the best one in your I'm not sure how you pronounce that. She grew up speaking Swahili in French. She informs us about her. Uh, both her parents wanted them to have a well-rounded ed- education for both her brothers and her sisters. Sandra would remember hearing war going on in the middle class and her and her rest of her classmates would have to take cover underneath the desk. Um, and then in chapter five, uh, Sandra learned that Ruminj, Rumin, I'm not sure how you pronounce that, had died and her mother was devastated. Rachel was so sad and it became too affect her physically and emotionally. Heritage was taken to war and his father tried to buy him back from the military with cows and then in then he was heritage was badly beaten up and in chapter six Sandra describes her home life once again and also her family and her life in church and she loved it apparently so um so back to my questions. In chapter one, um, the author describes the horrific massacre that her family and others experienced in Burundi. Uh, she said, I heard our attack singing and chanting. They were singing Christian songs. Um, I apologize for how I'm going to pronounce this. I uh, don't speak this language. So, Imani Ya Batu God has given you to us. The men seemed to think that they were in a mission from God to massacre us. How do the predators of such crimes use faith an excuse to commit acts of violence against innocence? So, how does? So yeah, that's my question. You want me to repeat it?
2: No, it's fine. I think I like hear about this a lot, especially in like certain shows. They always say like, "Oh, God wanted me to do this." And they think, like, they're doing the right thing and, like, that's what God wants. But they're, like, going against him by, like, killing him or by killing people, which I think is weird. And I don't really understand how they think that way. But I think it's, like, they're so religious and they think it's, like, what God wants them to do.
3: I think that they're using God as an excuse for their actions. And since he's so, like, highly thought about when they say it's God who's making them do it, it doesn't seem as bad.
4: I agree that they're okay. just using it as an excuse to do these kinds of things. Because um, if you look at the actual religions, most of them condemn killing people, and so they really like they're, if they're really following the religion, they shouldn't be really good. Okay, I agree with all of
0: you. Any more comments, sir? okay uh for my second question can any of you imagine having education with very limited resources compared to our education with technology and facilities with an outstanding work environment and everything we need for us to become successful how does this compare to their um life in africa
3: i think that it makes life way harder when you don't have resources given to you and be- like here We have everything basically handed to us. It's just if you have the motivation to do it, while in other countries, you have to try so hard to succeed and do whatever you can.
2: Yeah, I agree with Anna. I feel like here, everything is kind of, it's not like directly handed to us, but we have a lot of advantages than like people who live in like third world countries.
1: I agree. I
4: think, like the not having a lot of the internet access, like the people there did all the time, would make it very hard to learn, and
1: it's hard to imagine what it could be.
0: Okay, so for my third question, it was directed to the boys in our group, so just Levi for right now. Um, Don't you feel lucky that we don't have to live in a country where, by the time we're a certain age, that we are. Dragged into military by chance, and maybe for
4: females too. Yeah, I think it's extre- we're extremely lucky. Like all well, the child soldiers, child soldiers, and drafting people very early into like horrifying wars and, and doing terrible stuff at the top king in Africa and those types of areas. Um, yeah, it it would be terrible. Like I can't imagine how awful that would be.
0: Any more comments?
2: Uh, I think, like I can't even imagine what it would be like, especially like for the guys, like that's almost them unless they were born somewhere else. So that's like scary to think about how like kids our age are already like fighting wars.
0: Okay, moving on to my fourth question. If you were in Sandy's shoes, would you run to your mother and sister and aunt, or would you spare their life to save your own and hide instead? Uh, This was based off of um, chapter one.
3: Well, her mom got killed with her sister, so I think that I would run back into the tent and try to get out of there safely because I know my parents would want me to save myself.
4: I agree. I think it's um like she already saw people that tried to leave get ready get shot and gunned down. So trying to leave would probably lead to them getting shot and killed. So I wouldn't say you. Okay.
0: Um, my last question: If any of you speak a second language, and if you do, what are the benefits from it, and how does it help um your culture or? Um, where you're from? Uh, because in Sandra's in case, she speaks both French and Swahili.
2: Uh, well, I speak two languages, and I speak Serbian and English, so it's really, most of my family lives in Serbia, so it's way harder for me to, like, talk to them if I didn't know English, if I didn't know Serbian, so it's just easier con- to connect with them, and especially When I do go over there, no one really speaks English or they just know like a little bit of it. So I kind of have to know it so I can connect with them and it just makes it easier.
0: I can agree to you, Lana. I speak both English and Spanish and Valencia. And uh, so, yeah, I agree to it. Any more comments? If not, I'm passing it on to the next person.
3: Okay, so... My name is Anna, and I did the structure analysis, and I noticed that the author used ethos, logos, and pathos a lot throughout the book, and the author first used pathos on the first page when she said, Deborah had, had been highly sentimental that day. I wonder what had com- come over her. The use of pathos set us up and builds Deborah's character as we learn that she's not very sentimental and more of a harsh, harsh person. This makes an effect on the author's life because considering the sister isn't very affectionate, maybe she had some family issues. When the author says at the time we had been living in refugee camps this is an example of ethos because it makes her a credible source she was first-handedly experiencing these events and there's not much more credible than that while reading on page 23 the author says on the day the soldier grabbed heritage they seized around 200 kids This quote represents logos because I did a fact check and they used to take children and the majority of their army was made up of children. Her saying that 200 kids were taken is evidence that it happened. The use of logos shows that the author was heavily affected by this event because she remembered the small number of kids that got taken. And then I found some evidence to support the author's claim. And on page 11, the author says, I thought I had done something wrong. The author is 10 years old at this time and is being held at gunpoint. This supports the claim that her people are being killed for no reason. This evidence is very reliable because she is the one in the actual situation. Then on page 31, the author says, I did not understand why they would want to target us. And I think that this supports her claim because there was no reason why these people should be targeted at all. And this is very reliable because no one should be targeted for any reason, especially not skin color. And overall, I thought that the author was very credible and used her evidence really well. When she describes this specific scenery, like on page two, she says the green tents. She clearly has a recollection of what happened, and this makes her more credible. She also lived through the event, which is the closest source of credibility that you can get. The only reason it could affect her credibility is her young age, because when you're that young, your memory gets messed up. Another piece of evidence that makes me believe the author is credible is when she said they were determined to raise us peacefully, even though we were growing up in a conflict zone. This specific evidence shows that she was very close to the war, and that shows how credible she was. So I had some questions. What type of evidence do you think the author used the most, ethos, pathos, or logos?
1: I think she used mostly, um, pathos. You hey guys, I'm going to repeat she's... the question. Uh, I think she's using mostly pathos. I think it's pathos. Yeah, she does use, um, sa- like, yeah, uh, quite of Yeah, uh, I
0: saw that.
3: Yeah, when I was reading the book, I did a count, and I saw that she's pathos the most, then logos, and then ethos. And then the next question is, did you know these facts about this war or anything about this war before even reading this book?
0: This was, well, the first page, I did not know a thing about it at all, to be honest. Um, And to my surprise, it was kind of awful reading the first chapter. It kind of like kind of opened my eyes and see that I didn't know something about the world that we live in so it was news to me
2: yeah I agree with Romina and last time I read Persepolis and I don't even know about like that war that was going on so I think there's like a lot of wars that like we don't really know about or we don't learn about
3: And then my last question is, do you believe that the author is credible, and was the evidence used supportive to her claims?
0: I think the author is very credible. Um, like in my last book, she uh, witnessed what happened um, hand first, and she was gunned down by uh, one of the soldiers. So I think on her behalf of the story, it's very credible. Um like you said, that sometimes at a young age, uh, that's the only thing that can splinter what happened. But overall, I think she's a very credible author.
2: I think she's very credible as well because she like she experienced it firsthand, and the only thing that was like because she is young, so she might have like a little foggy memory of it, but it's also like, super traumatic, like, going through a war at such a young age, so I, I don't think that her, like, memory would be, like, too fogged up. Like, I would remember it, especially, like, you remember traumatic. Would that happen in your life?
4: Yeah, I agree. there's no
3: other comments?
4: Okay. I, I uh, because, like, a lot of the stuff that she says about the events and stuff can be confirmed by other people. By different sources we
1: will talk about different events and you can learn that. All
3: right I finished
4: okay, so next I am uh, Levi I am the rhetorical and analyzer. Um, the first thing I want to talk about is continuing my discussion about um, the author's credibility. I um so I found some examples of the bias of the author and I think sh- um the author is uh um she views her home and her childhood as overly idealistic just because she was a child naive, she didn't really understand how um how uh that yeah, they actually had it there. And I think that was shown by the quote they were saying like um Yeah, it was like the most idyllic place on earth when she was talking about and referencing it. Um, another thing of bias I found was, um, she, as a child, was, um, her, uh, childhood experiences were a little bit biased from her perspective, like, she was reviewing it from her lens. Um, and I, although she has biases, I think she still, the author's still pretty credible. I don't think there's anything that um, I think they can be pretty objective. Does anyone have any thoughts on that?
2: Um, I think obviously, if you experience something firsthand, you're not gonna you're gonna have your own biases against it because, especially her, like someone like killed her mom and like killed her family, so obviously, like there's a little bias going on and everyone has like their own biases and she also just doesn't know a lot because she is a
0: kid I completely agree with you Lana um just uh when you experience something for a tan, you have more bias towards what happened to you specifically in her situation after what happened with her family
1: uh yeah I agree with you
4: So, um, the author uses a lot of different, like, as we said before, they use a lot of pathos to, um, uh, just, like, try to persuade the, um, the reader, and, um, uh, I think that they're, the author is pretty effective with this, I think they can be pretty persuasive, if you guys think? have any thoughts on how persuasive
1: the author is.
3: I think that the author is really persuasive because she gives us so much detail and facts that there's no reason really not to side with
1: her.
2: Yeah, and I also think, like, some of the stuff she describes is, like, pretty emotional, so I think you can kind of relate to her on, like, an emotional level, too, so that kind of, like, helps persuade you.
1: Alright, and
4: uh so now I want to talk about like the specific kind of evidence that the author uses. And one example of pathos I found was in the first chapter when um she was saying that um and she quoted this, I pray to God, if you keep my parents alive I'll be good, I promise. At the same time I knew my mother had been gunned down, she must be dead, Deborah must be dead too. My little six-year-old sister is gone, that beautiful girl who brushed the sand from my skin after secret swims in the lake. Um, I think this really shows pathos because she's describing uh, the thoughts and the panic and the sorrow that she's feeling during this time. She's trying to convey that to the reader.
1: You guys agree?
0: I completely agree with you, Levi. That is, uh, especially one of the most memorable. Parts of pathos, especially when she lost her uh, mother
1: and her sister. So I can
4: remember. And then I found uh, an example of Logos when she said, The mattress is thin, and I thought about how bullets could so easily penetrate mattresses. It didn't make much sense to hide beneath bedding from men with guns. And she really just showed how her, um, her reasoning during this time. And she was just—they were panicking. They weren't really thinking this through. And even though they realized that being under a mattress probably wouldn't help them that much, they just didn't have anything else to do. So they did it. You guys agree with that one?
2: Yeah, I agree with that one, and it totally makes sense. Like I would be thinking the same thing if I was her, because a mattress is thin. Mm-hmm.
4: Uh, the next thing I found was the um the author's appeal to ethos. And I, I think the author used this one the least out of any other ones. And the example I found was when she was talking about her childhood memories. And um the quote goes, As my sister Deborah grew, I began teaching the same types of athletic things that Alex had taught me, like how to do handstands, we shared girly things too, like our collection of soft rabbit dolls that were Dress with outfits we concocted from cloth remnants. Sometimes we get bright scraps of fabric from dresses moms have made. I think this um, shows ethos, and this is an ethos argument because the author was kind of using her childhood experiences to show like how they were they were normal children. They had good relationships with their siblings. They were they lived a normal life and they were normal people.
1: you guys agree with that?
0: I do because she snatched a part of her childhood to uh, represent something in the book, and I think it does represent represent ethos. So I agree.
4: Yeah, I think she really uses um, ethos when talking about her childhood memories to like kind of show um, her, her, um, kind of establish her credibility and show her morals and ethics. Um. So if anyone doesn't have anything else to say, I'll then pass it on to Lana.
2: the structure analysis and it says what purpose does each paragraph fulfill and I said each paragraph fulfills the purpose of telling the author's story and explaining everything that's going on and basically telling us her experiences and about her life so does anybody have any thoughts on that? I agree
0: with you um, every part and every paragraph look fulfill how she needs to explain herself to the world what happened to her specifically. So I agree with mm-hmm. you.
2: And I said the introduction like just begins like right away as the story starts. She introduces. She kind of starts off by saying like what she's going through, and then she introduces some like background characters like her mom and like. She introduces the setting as well. Like she talks about where she is and how she's like in a tent and what's going on. And I said, I think the structure is very easy and clear to follow because she's going in like in a chronological order explaining everything that's going on. But then sometimes she does have like flashbacks where she talks about um, like her life when she was a kid and life before the war and like how her family was like. And I said, I think this like supports the thesis and the purpose because her purpose is to tell everyone her story, and I think this is like the best way to do it because it just flows very well. And when you're telling a story, you go in chronological order. So, do you guys disagree or agree with my findings?
0: Um, I don't think it's. Uh, I don't think it's exactly chronological order because she started off, um, talking about the ending so to say, you know what I mean? And then in chapter two, she started off where she began, um, how she was born, where she was born, and uh, her family life. It's kind of like a movie where it starts off at the end, and then you skip back to the um, first part of it. But I do agree that the structure of it was, um, so to say, interesting, because you read the first chapter, and overall, it, like, uh, grasps your attention, and then, but I do agree that it does make some sort of sense, but I don't like how it starts from the end first, but at the same time, it's perfectly fine.
3: I think it was good that they started with the end first because it like makes you want to read more and wonder what's happening. And I think that she explains it pretty well. Like There are some flashbacks throughout the book, but it makes sense because she starts talking about them. And it's very clear to when it is a
0: flashback and when the flashback ends. Yeah,
2: I totally agree yeah, with Anna. I don't know why. I agree with Anna too, and Romina. I don't know why I said chronological order. It's mostly chronological order, but like she does have flashbacks, and I like how it does begin at the end technically because it just make it hooks you, just like Anna said.
4: i think in general i agree that the uh the book is structured in a way that makes it pretty easy to understand what's going on the type of thing um i agreed with lana on the point she made about the thesis i think that really does show and support the thesis statement
2: yeah and i also think it's like her story to tell so she can like structure it however she wants because it's kind of like a autobiography or something similar to that. But I think the way that she does structure it is the easiest. So if nobody has anything else to add, then I think we can end it because I'm the
1: last person.